0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the AJ side panel, or the side panel, depending on where you're listening to this from. I am your host, AJ, and this episode, we have a lot to cover. I know it's been a few weeks in between episodes, but that's because I was busy watching movies. This episode, we will be reviewing The Kid, Triple Frontier, Captive State, Us, The Dirt, and Shazam. That's right. There's a few films in there. So, since we have a lot of ground to cover, let's not waste any time, shall we? The first movie we're going to be discussing is The Kid. Um, So, everybody should know by now, I have a weird love of western films. I don't know what it is, but anything ranging from any of the Sergio Leone's uh, spaghetti westerns, um, all the way up until, yeah, everything. I, I like westerns. the only thing I don't like, and please fill up my inbox with hate mail if you disagree with me but I can't stand John Wayne so I don't watch any of the John Wayne films however I did see the remake of True Grit and that was awesome so but you know that was Jeff Bridges not John Wayne so there you go so because of my love for uh westerns and cowboy films I have uh, I went ahead and checked out The Kid which is um, it's a semi-biographical western action thriller, which is directed by first-time director, Mr. Vincent D'Onofrio. You may know him as the Kingpin from uh, the Daredevil Netflix series. He's also been, uh, man, that guy's like in everything. <laughs> He's always been a very powerful actor uh, ever since, um, I don't remember the movie where he was private Pyle, But I'm sure some of you do, and you're probably screaming at your speakers right now, thinking about it. And I'm like, hey, you know what I should do? I should Google it, since I'm right here in front of my computer. Because otherwise, it's going to mess me up. Full Metal Jacket! That's the movie! Oh my god, I can't believe I don't remember that movie. We've watched it a lot in the Army. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so yeah, he's always been a very powerful and, and commanding actor. And so to see him take it on his first directorial debut... With this film, had me excited, so I I pretty much ran to the theater to see it. Um, This movie is—it's kind of weird. I was attracted to it not only because of Vincent D'Onofrio, but because um, it dealt with Billy the Kid and Pat Garrett. Now, I know we all know—we've all seen *Young Guns* one and *Young Guns* two, and pretty much everything that we know about Billy the Kid and Pat Garrett comes from that film. Sure. There have been other stories told, other films made, but we, as people of my generation, will tell you that Young Guns was the Billy the Kid movie. Um, So, of course, I was immediately like, ooh, even more awesome, I'll check it out. It turns out that the Billy the Kid, Pat Garrett story takes kind of a back seat in front of a main story, which is about this other kid, who, um, named Rio, him and his sister Sarah are running from their uncle after having accidentally killed their father in an act of self-defense. So during this time, the Billy the Kid Pat Garrett story intersects and and crosses over with what they're trying to do. Now... For the most part, I liked this movie a lot I was very excited to see it I, I, uh, The last western I had seen was uh, The Sisters Brothers um, Which was awesome until the end So I was hoping that I would run into another movie Another western that would uh, not follow in that same tradition And thus wash the bad taste out of my mouth From The, from the Sisters Brothers Man, was I wrong uh, This movie was great. Like, the first two-thirds of the film was really awesome. I was down for it. I was watching it. I was even excited to see uh Dave Rudabaugh, you know, that name mentioned again from uh, Young Guns 2. So I was like, yay, hey, familiar characters, woo-hoo. Um, but then there comes a point where it becomes, where the story of Rio and his sister Sarah uh, begin to take precedence again and prominence. And then you run into the uncle who is portrayed by Chris Pratt, and he has the worst fake beard I have ever seen anywhere. I mean, this thing, it was like so distracting that you couldn't look anywhere else. It's like a bad comb over, or when you notice a man's toupee, you just can't, and it just that's the story. From now on, that's the story. That's what you're going to remember. You don't remember that you saw the toupee at a funeral, or if you saw it at a wedding, or if you saw it on A Topless Dancer. All you know was this horrible toupee, and that's what you're going to be talking about for the rest of your life. That was the end of this movie. That was this beard. It, it it took over the movie. It it was the only thing you can see, and it distracted you from everything else, And in, but in that moment, it also made you realize, huh... Maybe this movie isn't as good as I thought it was. Maybe whatever uh, gloss had, had shined over into my eye to make me believe that this movie was really good isn't. Because if they couldn't even afford a decent-looking beard for Chris Pratt, then maybe they the acting and all that isn't as good as I thought it was. So it made me question the movie from then on, which is unfortunate because up until that point, I was all about it. I was like you know, glamored and everything for it. But unfortunately, Chris Chris Pratt's beard came along and just killed the film. So, there you have it. I I don't know even want to know what to give, like seven, seven and a half out of ten? It stars Ethan Hawke, Dane DeHaan, um, Jake Schur, Chris Pratt, Adam Baldwin, Vincent D'Onofrio, like a whole bunch of big name stars. Even Hawk D'Onofrio shows up, which I'm guessing is is a brother or a kid of his. Um, And and it's unfortunate because the movie had such... Uh, potential. Much like the next film we'll be discussing, Triple Frontier. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with the film or haven't seen a lot of advertisements for it, it's because it is a Netflix release. Uh, And the only reason I'm really discussing it is because it's got uh, such a, a strong, powerful cast. And I was very excited to see this movie. Ben Affleck, Oscar Isaac, Charlie Hunnam, Garrett Hedlund, and Pedro Pascal. Uh, the story is about these five guys who decide to go rob uh, a, a drug cartel uh, boss, his bum. Uh, I can't speak anymore. See, the beard just messed me up. <laughs> it's about these five ex-Delta Force guys that get together and decide to rob a drug cartel leader's headquarters, his entire house is where he's been stashing all this money that he's accumulated over the entire time of his criminal, of his reign over his criminal empire. So these guys decided that they're going to go down and seize the money uh, and, and, and try and bring it home and split it up because they've all had hard times since leaving the military. Um, it sounded and it looked like a really great action film, uh, great, powerful players, and I was all about it, until once again, the last third of the movie where it just seems to drag and doesn't make any sense. It even gets you to the point of questioning, well, what was the point of this movie anyway? Um, Or even this adventure. Uh, So much so that they even voice their opinions about it toward the end of the film as well. So, um, I don't know. You may enjoy it. Like I may be just biased on it, uh, because having served in the military and stuff, I I know I can see some of the stuff, but I don't think so. I think it had some issues wrapping itself up. But... It's on Netflix, so if you have Netflix, go check it out. It's called Triple Frontier. Um, yeah, there you go. The next film I saw, which was uh, I was very excited to see this film as well, is uh, Captive State. Um, this movie stars John Goodman, Ashton Sanders, Jonathan Majors, Machine Gun Kelly, and Vera Farmiga. Um, it is about... Um, the story is, 10 years prior to this movie taking place the, the point of view that you're seeing uh aliens came down and took over the entire country and during that time they have restructured the government and how things are working and how things have run and since then nobody has been wanting for anything um and so we're now here 10 years later uh faced with this child who is the younger brother of one of the icons of a revolutionary act that had taken place years prior in trying to defend Earth from or take Earth back from the alien uh, alien group called the legislators. And that's where this film goes. Um, from beginning to end, I really enjoyed this movie. But it's not the movie I thought it was going to be. And, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. You go in thinking that this is going to be like uh, some alien stuff going on. You're going to see uh, a lot more alien, a lot more fighting, a lot all this, you know, uh, political or just warfare. You're going to see alien warfare going on. And instead, uh, you don't. You see the beginnings of a revolution of uh, what would normally be, I can only reference as a terrorist cell um, against the aliens, the legislators, and how this little group is trying to organize to take action against uh, a certain public event that th- that's going to happen and so there's very little inter- alien interaction you hardly ever see them but you are introduced to what the world is like now that they have taken over and in so it kind of pulls you in deeper into that side so instead of an action over the top action alien fighting warfare movie you get more of a uh, a a deeply spy written type of film you know where you go and yeah yeah it's it's it, it it just takes that different aspect of it um, th- it's not necessarily a bad thing it it was really well done um well acted everything i mean I was pulled into the story and I enjoyed it uh, the ride I took um especially once I realized where the ride was taking me. So, uh, you know, I, I had a great time with it. There's a big twist at the end that, like, blew my mind, but I loved anyway. You do see some of the aliens every now and then, and they are very frightening, and I, I almost want to call them original, but they seem very similar to the aliens you saw in um, that one movie where Tom Cruise dies all the time. And uh, I can't believe I can't I'm blinking on names, man. It's just like. I had it a second ago, and then it just went away. Um, Yeah, so there you go. Um, The aliens are very similar to those type of aliens, in in that, like, uh, they look more like active sound waves with the corporeal form. And because of that, it makes it just a wee bit creepier, you know, because they're not really solid. And then they are, and then they're not. Um, But... Again, if you like this type of film, then Captive State is for you. It's on the theater still. I I don't think it's doing too well because a lot of people don't know what it's about. But if it is near you, man, go check it out because I think it's worth it. Moving on to the next film. All right, so I saw this movie two days ago. uh, And... Yeah, I'm still dwelling on it, Um, trying to figure out what I felt about the film. Please hold on. Now, the movie being us, directed by Jordan Peele, it's the second directorial film that he's put out. The first one was Get Out. We all enjoyed Get Out. We thought that was like the whole, you know, like. Oh my god, that's just amazing and awesome, and the total new viewpoint than we've ever seen. And so here we come with us, which is a film about a family. You've all seen the commercials, right? Uh, where a family is trying to enjoy a vacation, and then at uh, some point at one night, that a kid comes in the room and says, There's a family on the driveway, and they go out and look, and it turns out that that family is their mirror images, their doppelgangers. And uh, you think that you're about to be taken on this horror horrific ride. That's gonna be just one total mind boggling experience after another. Um. I I. Again, it's two thirds of the movie were great. They really were. And then and then he just, in my opinion, he kind of dropped the ball at the end and um i'm i'm hoping that jordan peele doesn't become the next m night Shyamalan, because this film had a lot of great potential and a lot of creepy scary elements you know but and so did signs i i loved signs you know you were scared this alien attack was happening all these things were going on you don't know what's going on next everything seems so weird and scary and then they attack a planet full of water and attack people that are predominantly water and their uh, water is their weakness that <laughs> yeah, kind of a letdown. that was us for me a lot of other people came out of that film and they were oohing and aahing and i know a lot of people are still oohing and awing, but for me it seemed to drop the ball like it felt like jordan got to a point where he had to explain everything and he just He didn't do it right. Um, Everything about this movie that is creepy and surreal and freaky and has you on the edge of the seat is in the trailers. And if you had just shown me a trailer of this movie, uh, I think I would have thought the movie was going to be amazing. But then you get to the reasons and the explanation and why all this stuff is existing. And it kind of takes away from it. And I was a little upset. Now, I will freely admit that... Our movie theater had some problems. We went into the first half hour of the film with bad um, bad speakers, bad sounds. We couldn't really hear what they were saying. Everything seemed muffle, muffled, muffled, and, and they had to go and restart the movie. So that could have caused my, my opinion to change and shift because anything that was scary and creepy in the first half hour or so we saw almost on um, uh, like we had seen, and then we had to rewatch it. And so all the, the the scare and getting into the movie and being drawn in was taken away from us. So I, w- I freely admit that that could be the cause. And because of that, I was more hyper-aware of all the explanations and the reasons and stuff behind uh, everything that they were trying to explain. Um, however, I will try to go see it again preferably in a theater that where the sound works and hopefully i will not have that experience so Mm -hmm. out of 10 i'll give it a good solid eight and a half but i don't think it's jordan peele's strongest movie granted he's only put out two movies i just know he has something better in there you know much like m night like he has something better in him and you knew that so that's why you kept giving him chances and it wasn't until split that he paid it off you know everything up until that point after unbreakable was like really dude it was the wind are you are you serious with the wind or some chicken a pool <laughs> you know. it was you know everything was like it had so much potential and strength behind it but you you knew that he could do better and he did with split and even in some aspect um with the third part of split because i can't remember remember i'm old i don't have a memory um it's the same with jordan peele you know something's there man you know he showed us with get out and he kind of gives it to us and us but it's not fully realized It's not fully out there when he comes out and it shines it's going to be the brightest light you've ever seen and you'll be glad you went along for the ride in the meantime so that is us uh, the next movie is The Dirt. Now, p- again, you might be wondering, why am I reviewing a Netflix film? Well, I am a child of the 80s, and thus uh, uh, a groupie and a dork for Motley Crue. <laughs> so, um, I was—I uh, completely forgot that it had come out. I didn't even realize it was coming out on Netflix. I was totally expecting it to see it in a the theater uh, until last night. I came across it and was like, ooh, the Dirt, and I watched it. The Dirt explains the behind-the-scenes life story of Motley Crue, the craziest, uh, worst—you th- know—the the band with the worst reputation in the world, uh, the most notorious rock band ever. In Motley crew uh, is based off the book, which was written by Tommy Lee, McMahers, Vince Neal and Nikki Sixx. Um So, yeah, this movie was an interesting film. Um, The actors all were horrible. I mean, these are like uh, B-rated, no-big-name stars that you would grab to make a quick film and save a buck. Um, The only two people that seemed familiar to, to me were Machine Gun Kelly and Iwan Rion, who we all know from... Uh, misfits, or even Game of Thrones, but this film takes us on a journey from uh, the formation of the band until their final performance, New Year's Eve, two thousand fifteen. Again, with the acting and everything being what it is, the the imagery and the story that they're trying to play does come across. Uh, there is a um Yeah, there's like a lot of sex and nudity and parting and drug use and everything you would expect in there and for that it tells a good story but unfortunately because they chose to go with um, the the actors that they did it it didn't feel like motley Crue to me and on top of that the music and the songs that they portray that show them playing with the exception of like shout out the devil and live wire everything else was like b-sides of their albums instead of they didn't even go through uh, um, Home Sweet Home. Like, they glance over it, and you hear them playing on the keyboard here and there, but they never really go into the full song or showing them performing anywhere, uh, which is unfortunate. Same with Dr. Feelgood. You would think that they'd want to do Dr. Feelgood, but instead they played SOS, same old situation. And so they're playing all these B-sides instead of the major songs, which made them famous, which made them break the records and... and amass the money enough to party it themselves to near death. Um so it and that aspect, you know, yeah. If you're a fan of Molly Crew, if you've always been curious about what's going on, uh, then I would check it out. One thing I will tell you though, it does not touch anything at all as far as Tommy Lee and Pamela Anderson or Tommy Lee and anything else other than Heather Locklear. Like his his love story stops at Heather Locklear. Everything else um. doesn't seem to matter enough or is not important enough for them to talk about it. which makes me wonder if they didn't have the rights to those songs and to those actresses enough to tell their story which is really sad because I was curious about, about all that um, so that is also on the Netflix so check it out if you got a chance finally the last film to review this week is a movie that's not even out in theaters yet what? That's right, it doesn't come out until April 7th. But we, those of us who are uh, on the Fandango, got to see an early screening of Shazam. Because I don't want to ruin any hopes or dreams that you guys may be having about going to go see this movie, I will not be giving as in-depth of a review as I normally do. Except to say that this film is DC's Big Hope. There's two movies that DC are going to be putting out this year that they're hoping will allow them to continue on with the DC Entertainment universe that they have, their filming universe. If these two films are successful, then it will let them know to continue along the same path with the same characters that they already have. If these two films bomb, then they'll have no choice but to reboot and start over again with new actors and characters stories. Having said that, those two films that they're heavily relying on are Shazam and Wonder Woman 84. This would be the first of those movies. I I see this movie going very far and pulling in a lot of money and cheers and enjoyment for everybody. It is a fun romp. It's big with powers. Let me review that. Let me rewind that it's the movie big with tom hanks if they had superpowers that's what this film is so if at any point in time you've enjoyed that story from big and were curious about hey what if he had superpowers that'd be awesome this is the movie for you um it stars uh asher angel as and zachary levi as billy Batson, shazam mark strong as Dr. Thaddeus Savannah, who is the main bad guy, uh, Jack Dylan Grazer, and Adam Brody as Freddie Freeman, Jamal Hussu as the wizard Shazam, and a slew of other characters of which I cannot say anymore without giving away what happens in the film. So, there. Um, what can I say? Did I like the movie? I really did. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um I thought maybe it took them maybe just 10 15 minutes too long to to get to the 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 last third of the film but other than that I thought they did a great job Zachary Levi looked like he was having a blast with this film as were the kids and everybody else in it also um I will tell you that there is two and credit scenes. There's a mid-credit scene and there's a scene after the movie's over. The last scene is not necessary for any type of continuity or anything like that. So if you are full of soda and need to get out of there fast, <laughs> you won't be missing much. And I'm sure at any point in time it'll be online for you to view anyway but the the mid credit scene is important and you should stick with it and at least watch that part I think it was uh, really well done Um, so yeah there you have it Uh, a lot of movies we covered a lot of uh, disappointments and a lot of happiness so I hope this helped everybody out. please send me any questions comments regards to anything if you don't agree with any of my opinions if you do agree if you just want to talk, just shoot me an email, ForbiddenPanel at gmail.com. Um, you can find me on all the social media w- networks everywhere, either under Forbidden Panel or Draven, D R A Y B N at any Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff. Either way, I'll be answering them. I will be at WonderCon this next weekend coming up. Find me on the floor, say hi, give me a hug, high five, ice tea, or whatever it is that fits your fancy, and join us for the Forbidden Panel company dinner at fire and ice on saturday night at 7 p.m having said that i hope you guys have a great week and we'll see you soon